Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Why are we here? And by that I mean this specific location. Why have we been coming for years and years on uh, Saturday mornings to gather together? Why did we come for years and years together in front of the Sheikh and sit in front of his feet? Why did we make all of the effort to be in certain places at certain times when God is spoken about? Why? There's lots going on in the world. Uh, there's plenty of shows to see. There's plenty of museums to walk through. There's lots of events that are going on. Uh, there's an enormous amount of things to keep you busy and occupied. Yet, some of us chose to ignore what the world has to offer, to sit simply with people who are talking about God and who are explaining the truth of His holiness, who are explaining His nature to us and explaining to us the truth about who we are and what we are. For some of us, for some reason, we're less interested in knowing what the world has to offer than we are in knowing who we are. This journey towards knowing who we are and finding out the truth about our existence becomes an obsessive, compulsive desire that needs to be fulfilled. That needs somehow <clears throat> to be satisfied. That needs somehow to get satisfactory answers. Now, it's said that when the truth hits you, <coughs> it'll be like water after you've been traveling through the desert. You know it's doing something for you. You know it's changing the nature of your existence, and you know that it's saving you. So, many of us, in our travel through this world, it's been like a travel through the desert. There's been nothing here that quenched our thirst. There's nothing out there that satisfies us, or that gives us satisfaction. There's no place that we can find peace. So we continue to trudge, and we continue to trudge through the world, and all of the enigmas that it throws at us, and all the difficulties that it throws at us, and all the things that we don't understand that it throws at us. And we continue to trudge through it, 
with the belief that something will come that will show us the truth. And that all these uncertainties that we have and all of these difficulties that we have will be swept away. And then, like a prince on a white horse, the Ketub comes in our lives. And we sit in front of him, and he says, Don't worry. The way you feel is because you've understood that illusion can't satisfy you. The way you feel is because you've refused the temptation of illusion and you've refused the gifts of the world. You're waiting for something greater because you know there's something greater. You've seen the limitations of what the world has to offer and you've refused to bite. You refused to take that as the beginning and end. You know there is more. And I've come to show you there is more. I've come to show you the true gifts of existence. The true gifts that this world has to offer. And the gifts that the world has to offer don't come from the creation. They come from the Creator. And I'm here to let you know about the Creator, about His love for you, and about His interest in your existence. And I'm an example of that interest. Why am I here? Why did I come? I came so that you would have a connection to reality. And when you sit in front of me, you see that connection to reality. And it's true. When you sit in front of a ketub, you don't need to be anywhere else. The anxieties of what's going to happen in the world, the difficulties of understanding what's going on around you, all disappear. And a calmness and a peace comes over you because there's a calmness and a peace in him. And that calmness and peace is so great that it permeates your being and makes you calm and peaceful. The ones who know the truth are capable of transferring the truth to others. The ones who are in the high places are capable of transferring those high places to others. The ones who are, are capable of making you one who is. This is a promise. They've told us this. And we have to believe it. So, for those who are too sensitive for the world, there's another place. There's a place for the ones who are sensitive. There's a place for the ones who can't abide all of the hate and the backbiting and the arrogance and the anger 
that the world is constantly spewing. And they've learned to find a hiding place from it where we can be in the world yet not of the world. Where we see what's going on but it doesn't affect us. It no longer has influence on us. Why? We've gotten our immune shots. <laughs> and they were given to us directly by the Ketub in his line. We have found the ones who can immune, immunize us from the vagaries of the world. So as the world goes crazy, we understand that this craziness is an illusion and there's no truth to it. And no matter how much people rant and rave and scream and holler about the truth of their words and the truth of their way, we know because they're ranting and raving and screaming and hollering, there is no truth to it because the truth doesn't rant and rave. The truth comes with love. The truth comes on the wings of a dove. It's gentle. It's calming. It's restorative. It's gracious. It's generous. It's kind. It's merciful. It's compassionate. And it's soothing. It's like a glass of water after you've trekked through the desert for a long time. And we need this water on a constant basis. So, our faith, our certitude, and our determination in our times of difficulty has to be powerful enough that we can go through those short spans and come back to feeling the restorative nature of our Lord the gracious nature of our Lord, the holy nature of our Lord and his friends in this world. He sends those who can help the ones who need help. And then he turns the ones who needed help into helpers. It's an ongoing continuous cycle of people being conduits for the truth. People learning and then giving of what they've learned to help others. The world, the way it is right now, is an intensive care. And it needs good doctors. It needs people who can hold back the destruction. And what's interesting is that God's mathematics are not the same as the world's mathematics. In the world, it says you need two million soldiers in order to make some kind of impact, or five million soldiers to make some kind of impact, or ten million soldiers to make some kind of impact. 
or 5,000 airplanes to make some kind of impact, or so many bombs to make some kind of impact. And through this kind of aggression, you can change things for the better. The world is constantly thinking that aggression can make things better. And some kind of an aggression is going to resolve and beautify things. Some kind of an aggression is going to bring about the time of peace. Through aggression, we have peace. Through war, there will be peace. Through wiping out everybody who's not like us, there will be peace. To the ones who see people as different, even if there were only two people left in the world, there would be differences and the need to destroy the other. To the ones who see sameness, there's an inclusivity that can include the entire world and there's a unity that brings all men together. But those who don't understand unity only understand aggression. And they will turn on their own brothers. They will turn on their own friends. They will turn on the righteous trying to do God's work because they cannot abide unity. It's not within their system to be able to abide unity. Which means essentially that they can't abide their brothers and sisters. They can't abide the other people in the world. Everybody to them is an enemy. Now, what I've noticed is that they may pick people to be friends with them for a certain period of time, but that changes, and soon they also become enemies. Take, for an example, some of the leaders in the world. Stalin essentially killed everybody who was close to him and not close to him because he couldn't abide any sense of dissent and any sense of other and any sense of danger around himself. He was paranoid about everybody. And what is the cause of this kind of animosity. It stems from being unable to be satisfied within yourself. And by doing away with others, you think you're somehow going to heal yourself. It's not true. The only way you can heal yourself is to open yourself up to love. The only way you can heal yourself is to make yourself compassionate towards others, to make yourself merciful towards others. Look at the names of the qualities of Allah and you will notice something. Almost all of them are active principles that you do towards someone else. Mercy is something that you give out. Compassion 
is something that you give out. Tolerance is something that you give out. Justice is something that you give out. All of these things are things that you give. You can't hold on to them for yourself. You can't say, I'm going to find mercy and keep it in my warehouse. You can't say, I'm going to find compassion and keep it in my warehouse. The only way that mercy becomes available to you is if you give mercy away. The only way compassion becomes available to you is if you give compassion away. The only way love becomes available to you is if you love. Someone once said to me, I don't think anybody loves me. I said, become more lovable. And how do you become more lovable? By loving. Don't look to be loved. Look to love. And when you love, you will see love come back to you. You will see the return of love. So, if you can't find any humans to love, lock yourself in a closet and love Allah. Lock yourself in a closet and say, Allah, I love you. And when you're ready for me to be able to love people, I'll be ready to do what you want. La baik, kalahuma la baik. I am here, God, to do your service. La baik, alahuma la baik. These are not words just for the Hajj or the Umrah. These are words for our entire life. La baik, alahuma la baik. I am here to do your service. And what is his service? His service is to love humanity. His service is to have compassion for humanity. His service is to give life to humanity. To give succor to humanity. To give grace to humanity. To give existence to humanity. And if we want to become like him, we have to be among those who do that also. If we remember Bawa, what did he do with his time? He sat and talked to us. He took an hour for me and an hour for him and two hours for him, 20 minutes for him. If you came, you were attended to. He was a doctor who was constantly on duty to attend to the affairs of the heart, to strengthen weaknesses, to make strong determination, to bolster faith, to show us visibly that certitude is possible because he was an example of certitude. He sat as certitude. He sat as compassion in human form and showed it to us. So what should we do? What should we be? We should be examples of certitude. We should be examples of faith. We should be examples of determination. We have to be 
the strength for others until they have the strength to do for themselves. We have to carry Allah's qualities in this world to show others the reality of them. We have to show that you can consistently love as opposed to a love on every alternate Tuesday and Thursday. We have to be able to show that we consistently love as opposed to between 10 and 11 on Sunday morning when we go to services or 1.30 to 2.30 when we go to Juma or Friday evening when we go to synagogue. We have to show that we can consistently love and there is no difference in us on Monday, Tuesday through Sunday. We are the same. We are consistent. We can be depended upon. We are the ones whose words are stronger than written documents. When we say something, we mean it. And you know, when we truly mean it, God will also help to make that be, that meaning come about. When Bawa said something, it happened. Because he truly intended it from the deepest part of his being for it to happen. Because our needs became his needs. And he wanted us to be able to fulfill our needs so that we could move on further in the path of truth. In the path of seeing and knowing reality. His objective for us was that we become like him. That we know the truth. And the strange thing about so many of the people that sat around him is that's exactly what they wanted to do. They wanted to become like him. To be able to be in a state of peace, sitting with love towards all, and dispensing God's mercy and compassion is the greatest thing you can do in the world. What is greater than to be in touch with reality and become a conduit for reality to be spread to others? To be a conduit for Haq to come into the world? To be a conduit for Rahman and Rahim to come into the world? One person dispensing Rahman and Rahim can keep a country safe. One person dispensing the truth can save a nation. He told us that if 11 of us walked around the Kaaba in his name, we could hold off destruction. And we did that. And destruction has been held off at least for a number of years. I think we did it in about 92. Now, the point is, that it's not about numbers of people. It's about the strength of the devotion of people. And it's about the closeness to God. God acts through us. And if we are close enough to Him, He can act very powerfully through us. The impact that Mohayadeen had on us 
is immeasurable. The number of people he affected is immeasurable. And you know, love is not like a material substance. A bomb is made out of atoms, and it hits something made out of atoms, and it explodes it. Love is not made with atoms. So it doesn't have to be flown from one place to the other. Love can go from here to Malaysia in an instant, and it can melt a heart in Malaysia in an instant. Love travels through the world. And when I say through, I mean through borders, through steel, through walls, through matter. It travels through matter. It can't be held back by man. There's no way to stop it. And if your love is strong enough, it can fill this room, and then it can go beyond this room and fill this town, and go beyond this town and fill this state and fill this country. And it only takes a few, a few people with real love who can change the nature of the people in the country, and they won't even know what's happening to them. They won't know that love has entered into their beings and has altered their chemistry because it came from a non-elemental place, and they haven't yet understood the force of the non-elemental. But we know the truth of it. We know the power of it. We know what it can do, what it has done, and what it continues to do. When you think about the great men in history, who are the names that come to mind? Moses, Jesus, Muhammad, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, to bring it more recent. Men of peace and men who gave men who didn't accumulate men who gave men who dispersed and what did they disperse they dispersed love and they dispersed the understanding that kindness alters existence and that kindness is what brings us to an existence that's worth existing in. So, you want to go get out of the desert and go into an oasis? Bring love. Everything will sprout all around you. The waters will flow all around you. You will be in abundance. Love is abundance. There is no other abundance. All the other things that call themselves abundance are false. Wealth is false. Fame is false. Lust is false. Everything is false next to the reality of Allah's qualities and Allah's truth. May it come to be that in each of our hearts we are filled with his abundance, that we are filled with his truth, and that we are filled with love overflowing 
so that when we run into the difficulties of the world, our love erases them. May it be so. Amen.